Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We do appreciate you taking the time. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and back with us to close out the year. We're happy to have with us from Sweden, well-known consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Great to see you, Michael. Great to be back. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Alan. Uh, great having you, Michael. End of the year, my goodness, we, we made it through it, maybe. Yeah. And he's ahead of the game. In the January edition of The Dispatcher, you lead off with some news. There's a new book on the way that you and Alan are writing, Mobility for the Non-Mobile. You have an excerpt from the introduction and you say the book is intended to describe the preconditions for and a solution to the problem of providing mobility for the unserved and underserved. Tell us a little bit about this, um, this effort, Michael. Well, we've had uh, four years of, of the, um, the Smart Driving Cars Summit and each year, progressively, we've gotten closer and closer to, to something that, that um, looks like a solution that could be implemented, could be tested. And at the end of the summit, the 2021 summit this past April, Alan presented a concept, the concept for Trenton, New Jersey, capital of, of, um, uh, capital of New Jersey. Uh, it's gotten major support. The concept has got major support from the governor recently reelected and his administration. Um, but what we felt we needed to do was to provide in, in one place the, the background. How did we get to where we are? Why, why are we even discussing this kind of solution to uh, mobility for the, for the non-mobile? Um, so the, the first chapter, which is what I've, I've excerpted the, the article in, the, in the, the dispatcher from, is trying to set the stage. How can we, in, in this time, be suggesting a, a car-based, an automobile-based solution for providing mobility? Um, so I've, I've taken the, the, the reader from where we began to be have a necessity to move. I mean, it's only been a little over maybe 150 years since people began to have to move away from maybe a two or maximum three mile walk to work or to anywhere they had to go. And as in the, in, the, um, in the article, I said, you know, one of the reasons why we didn't invent cars earlier was that nobody needed them. They didn't need to travel. And, and even if they needed to travel, they didn't necessarily have the means to travel. You know, everyone didn't own a horse. Everyone didn't own a wagon. Um, so to, to begin with the statement that cars did not cause sprawl, they enabled it when people began to have a need or require a requirement to move from the center of cities where, where the where work was, where the action was, and where, where most people lived, to move away from those centers, primarily for health reasons. As more and more people moved in through the, in the Industrial Revolution, people began to get more crowded. There were problems of, of uh, sewage and waste and, and all kinds of things. And those who could afford it moved, but they didn't move 10, 15, 30 miles away. They moved a few miles, a maximum. And I, I lived for a year in the first suburb of London, in Pimlico. And I walked to County Hall, you know, where the, where the London Eye is. I walked there and home every day. It was two and a half kilometers. Now, that was the first suburb in London. And then gradually, as more and more people moved in, the suburbs began to move further and further out. And then gradually, the trains came and trains made it possible to move further. So the, the idea is that these, that sprawl occurred. And then in the 60s, businesses began to move out of the cities and sprawl continued at the same time as more and more people who of 
who really couldn't afford it moved into the cities, either from the south or from, from other places. And this, this inversion occurred, where now we have people living in, in the center of cities where all the businesses used to be, and all the businesses now outside of the cities. And as this continued, sprawl and suburbanization began to move further and further out. So now not only have, have many of the people who lived in the cities, including some of the those who, who were maybe classified as poor, have moved further into the suburbs and the cities have become less and less, let's say, viable in terms of a combination of accessibility to work and accessibility to affordable housing. So what we're trying to do is, is put the people who need a job, who need to get to places like hospitals and schools and, and, and good places where they can buy food and, and other goods together with a mobility solution that allows them to get there. And you know, it, it's, it is more complicated because unfortunately, because of where everything is right now, transit systems don't help very much. Buses aren't working the way they, they worked back in you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when people lived in one place and needed to get to work in a, in a relatively small area. Now we've got it, everything is spread around. So the idea of this, of this article is to condense the first chapter of the book. And the reason for the book is to build up to the, you know, what is the solution and how is the solution going to be implemented? And in between the chapters in between are essentially the panels that we've had and the discussions that we've had over the last four years on each of the components, such as, you know, is our driverless cars safe enough? You know, can we actually implement them? Who's going to build them? How are they going to be serviced? All of these, you know, the details around it. And then the, the last solution, the last chapter being the focus on, you know, what are we going to do? in Trenton, how are we going to accomplish this? And, and you know, what, what are the expectations? Well, you are so good at, at laying out the history. Readers of The Dispatcher know this. And if you, if you haven't been reading The Dispatcher, I'm addressing the audience here. MichaelLSena.com is the place to go to, to, to get hold of it. You should be reading it. Uh, the history that you're able to, to bring to, to issues is what we're going to be seeing in this book here and then laying out really the whole need to rethink mobility. One, one thing that's important here, there, there are two main authors, but there are, there's a list of contributors. For example, Ken Pyle, during the, the last, well, from the time I began coming, uh, he's been summarizing in, in VOD in his, in his blog, he's done a terrific job of doing summaries of, of the, the panel discussions that we've held. So, so he is a main contributor pulling, pulling pieces and uh, out of the work that, that he did summarizing the uh, panel discussions and putting more, you know, putting more re meat around that and, and the building the chapters. I mean, and then there are, there are others, of course, there are others who, who were leading the panels and who have, have participated in the panels. Um, you know, we're reaching out to them just during the last couple of weeks, we went back to Aurora and Waymo in a channel that they, a, a panel that they were in, and asked them for some clarifications because it wasn't exactly clear what what uh, what it was that they had said, and and they you know immediately came back and provided the provided the detail that we needed. So this is going to be a collaborative work. Alan, I, I think that you know I think that what has happened with respect to, um, and and I'm certainly not a great historian that's for sure um but but we've we've come from from sort of a point point source sort of type of living at a point and then we evolved to more maybe a, a, a hub and a spoke sort of um way of living all of a sudden to a network of living and, and each of those sort of require, uh, imply different aspects of mobility to the individual or for the individual to, to get the benefit of this kind of lifestyle. So if we're just the, the node or the hub, you know, you can walk it, okay? If you're at a hub and spoke, 
then you can take your trolley or your bus or your subway and do it. If you become a network, it's, it's just like the internet. All of a sudden, you need new tools to do this. And, and, and the, tools, the tools that we've, we've had on the shelf have been tools that, you know, did really well for Hub and Spoke. Oh, my goodness. You know, for a network, poo. Yep. It's not pretty at all. And so all of a sudden you say to yourself, oh, my goodness. And then people say, well, you know, oh, how can you fill up a, a you know, 53 passenger bus? Well, you can't. OK, so all of a sudden they say, hey, you've got to package all those people all together. Uh, doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So in a sense, you then have the new tool and then the new tool comes out. Oh, my goodness. We have these things, these smaller these smaller entities and the key to it is i mean the, the key to it is is the affordability that's provided once you then say that the operator of the of each of the vehicles then all it has to be is a is a, is, is some sensors and some computers and some some things that behave like moore's law and you apply Moore's law on top of this and you say, oh, my goodness, this is a fundamentally new opportunity. But the opportunity now needs to be, it, it is an opportunity, but where can we focus it? Well, the radial systems that we built and we have out there, they're focused on people who don't drive cars. Even though what they want to do is get people out of cars, I, I think we can look at the data as to how well they've taken people out of cars. And if you look at the data, oh my goodness, it is not, nothing but U-G-L-Y. It is ugly, okay? Not only have, have they not brought anybody out of cars into them, they've lost the people they had in them to cars. Oh my goodness. So, all of a sudden, it's why? It's because it's a hub and spoke. It doesn't serve a network. So now you have an opportunity to take something who really doesn't care where it goes in the network between which places. And when it does it, it can do it two o'clock in the morning just as well as it can do it at seven o'clock in the morning or, or five o'clock at night. It doesn't care. It doesn't have to work a shift from you know, eight hour shift with an hour break, with a, with, a, with a bathroom break, with a lunch break. It doesn't have lunch breaks. It doesn't have bathroom breaks. It doesn't care when it works. And we're not abusing it by not giving it a bathroom break, not giving it a lunch break, not giving it a... Um, It'll have a fueling, a refueling break. It has a refueling break. Right. Okay. But in fact, we can't use these. Hey, if we could use them 24 7, it'd be great. But hey, demand is, you know, one of the things about transportation demand it is as peaks. Peaks have always been the challenge of transportation, always. Still a challenge here. So we're going to need a you know, we probably get utilization out of one of the vehicles that may be only three or four hours a day. Right now, well, this, the these are these are the kinds of things that we're going to be trying to trying to test. Absolutely, um, in the, that, in the that's first... what we try to test. And but yeah. but if we look at our personal use of these vehicles, <laughs> what's the utilization rate of that? Ooh, ooh, twenty minutes a day. 30 minutes a day or something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've, used, know, I've used this example before, you know, I don't use, I don't use my bed, you know, 24 hours a day or some, even eight or nine hours a day, but I don't rent it out in between. So, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not sure that I don't, I don't use my fishing gear, you know, every no, single day. No, no, I understand. No. There are no. some things that we do want to, we, we, we do want to own, but there are some things that we probably should share and do a better job at sharing and the, and the thing that nobody's been able to figure out is how we share our personal cars 
with with each other, and maybe somebody's going to come up with an app to do that. To do, do da da da. Certainly, Zipcar has tried and continuing to try, and a lot of other folks are continuing to try. The <laughs> rental car companies are continuing to try. But my goodness, putting it out there for mobility to say, "Hey, walk up and use, walk up and use." which is the way we've used elevators. Again, you know, the elevator analogy, you know, I want to use it all the time, but it is, it's, it's, it's a really good, to me, it's a really good one. Forget about the fact that it's linear, make it network, who cares, whatever. Mm. Once you're in the vehicle, you're in for the ride until you get out and you forget about it. That's the beauty of this thing. Now, whether or not you're actually going to be as good as as me owning or or you fred or you michael owning a car that's yet to come but for a lot of folks the comparison of the radial hub and spoke whatever mobility systems that we've all tried to make those work as best as we possibly can we're up against an enormous wall here we there's just nothing we can do it's just too inflexible it it can't handle a network so that's where we are well one one before i continue here we're enjoying the the beautiful (laughs) swedish sunset behind you michael oh yeah it's it's more it's morning as we're taping this uh it's it's morning in new jersey and behind you it's actually it's actually not it's that that light you see it's it's a christmas star in the window it's almost dark really? here right now yeah oh okay well, well, well uh, i was well, gonna looks, say nice. you mean the sun's up <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's 3 30 it's it's 3 30 in the afternoon but it's it's uh it's almost it's almost dark so i've oh, got yeah. a i've got a christmas star in front of me and a christmas tree over i'm in i'm in um i'm in a a a a meeting or say a gathering room in a condominium that we that we uh, are part of in outside oh, of Stockholm, actually about two and a half hours south of Stockholm. So, so very but it's, nice. it's nice. It's a nice idea. Well, we were, we're, I was surprised there was light. You've destroyed the image I had here. The sun yeah, is coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, people tend to focus when they think about driverless or or autonomous vehicles very often on things like uh, climate change, traffic congestion, uh, the vehicle passenger and pedestrian, the safety aspects, but you're focused here on something different, the mobility needs. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we try to focus everything being equal, you know, the, the, uh, the old, the, the economics, the basis of economics, everything being equal, economists like to, to, and one of the things you learn as part of engineering is that that you try to limit the number of variables so you can identify what, which ones are the most important. If we had to study everything at one time, we'd never get anywhere. You know, what we're, we're, we're gonna try to do here is to focus on whether or not a driverless vehicle However, it's powered. However, it's 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 designed. Whether a driverless vehicle is capable of providing a solution for the main requirements of people who don't have mobility. So, you know, if, if folks say, "Well, you know, is this really something that we should be doing for the climate?" I I do get into that that in the next the next article in the Dispatcher, um, but. There are so many people who are looking at all of these other issues, particularly the safety one, and this is an important one, of course, of can, can driverless cars be safe? Obviously, we're not gonna, no one is gonna be putting a solution in place that isn't safe. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not gonna do the kinds of things that Tesla has done, which is to use people as beta testers with their vehicles, with their software, with their, you know, with their ideas about videos playing when they're, you know, even though they've taken it off, it's, you know, they put it out there or without actually getting permission to do so. We're not gonna do that. But the focus here is not, is not on all of the other issues. It's on, is this a solution that can work? I mean, there's so many issues that, that are related to how people get from where they live to where they where they are where they need to get picked up. How many of these do we need? Where do they have to? How can they be distributed? How can they be designed so that you know there's no there's 
there's no, you know, piling on graffiti or there's no, the kinds of things that happen in, in, in cities that are not even cities and in, in places where, where you have bus stops, you know, we put up a bus stops in, in some of the areas outside of, of uh, Stockholm and, you know, they're, they're demolished within a couple of days. So how do you, how do you preserve the, the, the ability of these places that may be needed in order to be able to ensure that people feel safe and feel comfortable um, and will use this, the systems. You know, this, these are all the things that we need to test and we need to work with the communities, people who are gonna be using this. We need to work directly with them in order to develop a solution and then to test it. You know, we don't have the answers right now. The, we don't have all the answers right now. Sorry. The community um, involvement is the key piece of this. And we yeah. believe that the community involvement was the key to the welcoming. We've worked on that from the beginning. We continue to work on, on the community involvement. Why? Because this is for the community. This is for them. This is for, for the folks who, it's not for us to, so we feel good that we think that we put something out there for somebody who, who knows what, this is, this is for them. And so therefore we, we want to we try to say, hey, we, we might have a couple of, couple of Lego blocks here that we want, that we think we might be able to use to put into your environment uh, what the, should they look like? What can they look like to solve your problem? Because because to give you the mobility and and to give you in sense maybe the I don't know I'm sure they're happy become happier of course and to do the things that they want so that is that is a fundamental key that it's it's a the necessary condition of all of this. Yep. Yes. And let's let's make clear that while this particular project and effort is focused on Trenton, this is as your students have shown in a, in a podcast a, a week or two ago. You this can be replicated in so many places. Well, in I, this country I, I, and I, elsewhere. I well, we I it goes well. Think so. Well. Even if it couldn't, even if it couldn't, it's worthwhile trying in Trenton. But if you is Trenton any different than many of the other cities? What's made Trenton so darn unique? All these places have evolved the same way. The top end of the economic spectrum has evolved this way. The bottom end has been crushed. Okay, we're dealing with a bottom end that's been crushed. All right, and, and they just they just haven't been crushed in Trenton, and not all of Trenton is crushed. All right, okay. But many, so let's we're trying. We're dealing with them, and we think that doing that does not preclude doing it for everybody else too. That's that's sort of the that's the amazing win 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 aspect of all of this. Is this it's not it's for them and not for us. It's do da 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 It's just realizing that we're not a network society, not just a hub not just a hub and spoke, we're a network. To network, you need better interconnections. Everybody knows that. Everybody, certainly everybody at the top end of the, of the echelon know that. And why shouldn't the, the, the mobility that's provided them the network connection and the top end also, hey, we now have the opportunity, the real opportunity here is my goodness, that's, we can make, that can be available to everybody. Wow. And it's amazing that, that, you know, that everybody's not beating the path to our door here. Whatever. Yeah. But, well, they're not, know, I think most people don't really know that, that the door is there at this point, but I hope, hopefully they will soon. One thing that, that Trenton is like a, quite a number of cities. My hometown is one of them, Scranton. Both cities have, have lost almost half of their populations, 140,000 or so. They grew, they were, they were viable cities, they had public transportation systems, everything worked the way they should, should work, and suddenly they lost the reason for, for being. And the population decreased, and now they've got an infrastructure that built for 140,000 with a population of you know, closer to 70,000. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a city of 
that was 140,000 or a city like Detroit that was 2 million. Now, New York is unique, but if you break it down into Queens and Brooklyn and, and uh, Staten Island, even there, there's, there's similarities. New York is not Los Angeles, but if you break Los Angeles down into its neighborhoods, it's got similar issues. You know, Watts is in, is, is in Los Angeles. I was just there, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing how people are stuck there, just like Trenton. Yeah. Go ahead. So the idea is that, is that every place isn't similar, but, the, but if we can test something in a place where, we can, where it's small enough with enough support from, from the people without going into a huge city, or without going into a place like Chandler, Arizona, which is where Waymo is testing, which is, I don't want to say it's homogenous, but it's, it's not Trenton. You know, it's 200,000, 250,000 people, but it's a suburb of, of Phoenix. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge, it's, a, it's, it's big. You know, it's like Syracuse or bigger than Syracuse, I think, um, which is, you know, a city, got a university, Chandler, Arizona, who knows where Chandler, Arizona is, but it's got a lot of people. But it, but it's not Trenton. It's not Scranton. It's you know it's not a city that was that has these kinds of issues of, of an infrastructure of people that that has it maybe it's lost its its potential. But these cities have have one thing that we 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 need to keep in mind: the populations are not going in the direction of cities. That 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 myth that was fostered by you know. Henry, Henry Glazer and others, others that, you know, the cities are now revitalizing this renaissance. Everything's going to go back and everybody's going to live in the city. Fine. Um, that worked for a little while, but then suddenly people realized I can't afford this. You know, even people who want it could potentially live in a city that costs X. Suddenly they're, they're needing to pay three or three X or four X just to get a little apartment. So that whole concept isn't, you know, it's, we're, we're behind that. You know, that's, that's, so this type of solution will hopefully be able that we can show will be able to be used in multiple types of in, environments. We'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you probably know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments, maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. The website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, the dispatcher publisher, Michael Senna. Michael, in the latest edition of the newsletter, you've got a headline that reads, environmental activists want to engineer a utopia. And the subheadline reads, utopias and democracies don't mix well. Yeah. Um, as, as often happens, you know, I'm reading a book that was referred to me for one reason or another, you know, then, and, and the, the main, the book is that, that sort of got this whole thing going was Karl Popper's the open society and its enemies. Um, I'm reading the book and, and pieces start fitting it, falling into place. And when he comes to the point where he says, Plato essentially was a, he was anti-democratic. I mean, is, do people know of Plato or think of Plato as being anti-democratic? But they do know that he was utopian that he, his ideal was what was. Something starts, something, something was, was developed. It was the ideal situation. It was the ideal city. It was the ideal form. And then as time went on, it became less ideal. So he's known as a, as a utopian. Um, as it turns out, if you look at utopianism over the course of the last 2,500, 20, 2,500 years, it hasn't done so well. Folks who, who, have, who have promoted the concept of an ideal, you know, we're there, this is the ideal, and now we're going to hold it. Now we're going to keep to it. 
and in order to get there, they, they had to, to develop a, a, you know, a blueprint, a, a design, and we're going to achieve this, whether, whether it was, was uh, someone who was designing the ideal city or someone who was designing the ideal country, like Marx and Lenin. Um, and it's sort of the penny dropped. The folks who are, are saying, you know, we have to be, we have to do this now. You have to stop driving cars. You have to stop eating meat. You have to stop. We have to achieve the ideal tomorrow. Otherwise, it's all over. We can't, we're not going to be able to continue living. You know, I'm, a, I'm 16, 17, 18 years old, and I want to be able to do the things that my parents did 15, 20 years ago <clears throat> without having to worry that the planet is going to, to is not going to be able to sustain me. So you have to do everything possible right now. Extension rebellion, you know, you have to do it now. We're going to sit, we're going to put our bodies in, in the intersections and we're going to stop traffic. You need to do it now, not tomorrow. And then he talked about the incrementalism, the, the gradual approach to engineering, something that you, you build up, you, you get information and you make, you make suggestions, you incrementally work toward a solution. And eventually as a result of all the work that you've done, you come to a, a solution that, that includes compromise, it includes design changes along the way. And this takes time. COP26 means this was the 26th meeting that they had, the first one being in Berlin, 26 meetings ago. And we're not there yet. You know, the, the little kid sitting in the back of the car saying, aren't we, aren't we, aren't we there yet? And, and the father saying, well, you know, I have to, we have to drive there. It's, it's, not, it's not just on the other side of the fence. We have to drive two hours to get to grandma's. So after two hours, we'll be there. And I have to drive the car there. And if, you, and if you're making a lot of noise back there, you're distracting me. And so I can't do my job. It's exactly the same thing with the utopians fighting against the people who are trying to do their job. And, and that's what I've put together, put forward in this article. You know, it's, it's, it was a popper who, he wasn't talking about COP26. He wasn't talking about global, you know, global warming and climate change and all this other stuff. But the concept of people working hard, diligently, trying to come up with good solutions that will allow us to continue to live on this planet versus them, those who are saying, you have to stop. We've got the solution. It's electric cars. It's vegetarianism. It's everything that, that the folks who are protesting say it is without them knowing the slightest, having the slightest idea of whether all that's going to work. That's what this article is. So, Michael, I'm sure this yeah. is going to make you popular with all of the the people that are that are that are um, uh, whatever rioting in the streets, or I guess we don't have rioting in the streets. And, yeah, we do. Uh, I mean, yeah, they were no, we they, they were pretty riotous. I yeah, mean, the people no, no. every time they show up at the cop meetings, they're they're out there. I mean, the you know the, yeah, the folks no, I don't no. want to mention, they they're out there. <laughs> Yeah, they, they are. So, um, yes. Uh, so that's what makes uh, life exciting, I guess, in some mm -hmm. sense. Uh, 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 um, I guess it, it also, to me, you know, I, I guess I've, I've stopped wanting perfection uh, myself. Um, I, I think perfection is kind of nice. Um, my sort of argument against uh, against perfection is that uh, is that it requires an objective function. You know, I guess that's because I'm an uh, I'm an optimizer. You know, I have to write an equation for an objective function, and it's going to have to have uh, variables in there with coefficients and whether or not it's squared, the sine or hyperbolic cosine, or who knows what function of a function of the do da da da. I mean, we can make them fancy schmancy and whatever. And um, 
Um, but but the, the ones that we have in our particular brain that uh, really determine, you know, what is what we think is best for each of us, uh, we're all different. And, and in some sense, vive la différence. It would be it would be really boring if we were all the same. I mean, it would be totally boring. I mean, can you can you imagine how boring? Totally. Uh, and so it, it really is wonderful that we're all all different. But because we're all different, uh, I, there there does uh, well there could exist, but I'll claim there does not exist a solution that it would be that would be perfect for everybody. Uh, because we're because our our objectives are different, our views are different, our perspectives are different, our interests are different. Da, 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 da. And so what, what we require is is sort of we require a solution that is sort of kind of good for the most for all of us, you know, and 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 maybe best for of course me, of course I would want that, but you know that'd be. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't deserve that. So what we should be doing is looking for good solutions, you know, things that are good, things that are whatever, and, and not and there and that's not utopia because utopia is supposedly, you know, this thing that is best for everybody. Come on, that's not even a you, you shouldn't even be able to use that string of words together because it's not achievable. Okay. But we've, but I mean, the fact is that, that over the course of history, over the last, at least the last 2,500 years from, from the time of Plato, people have been, people have been developing concepts of a utopia. Yeah. And, and there are people, there are, you know, so-called philosophers like Hegel, yeah. who have helped dictators, kings, you know. Sure. To, hey, to, to to say that we you know the the we we have the idea we have the ultimate solution we have this is how it can be and now everybody just get in line and do it. If I'm big enough narcissist and I'm self so self focused on what's in my brain, you know, I I think I can define what is best for me. Okay, and if I then think I have the power to then impart it on each of you. And that's where we get to, you know, that concept of that would be my utopia. And that's where people get themselves into trouble, right? I mean, once they start, you know, I think, as opposed to looking around and saying, hey, you know, really, uh, what's really somewhat good enough for me and good, good for Michael, good for Fred, good for everybody, good for you, the listener. And, you know, let's, let's, let's just, let's find a solution that kind of makes us all kind of happy as opposed to happiness, the happiest that I can possibly be. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's how we get ourselves into trouble. Well, I, you know, that's how we were designed or that's how, you know, this particular combination of, of cells and so on did to do and things up here sort of think, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. I, the purpose of the article was to encourage the people who are working on this, whether they're just working on their own or whether they're working with COP, the, the, uh, the UN organizations, to continue an incremental approach. We're gonna find, we're gonna find solutions yeah. to this and not to ignore the utopians, you know, yeah, the, the sure. ex extinction rebellion groups, you know, the, the Fridays for, for the future group, but, not to let them define the agenda. It's it's not it's not for them to define the agenda. That's that's the purpose. Yep. Michael, you also uh, take a look at the the infrastructure investment and Jobs Act and the still pending Build Back Better, Build Back Better Act, right? Yeah, and you point out uh, until cars fly, we will need the roads and bridges here. Yeah. And it's so related to to what we were just talking about and, and the debate about the incremental approaches and what's going to get passed, what isn't going to get passed here. Well, honestly, I, I wrote that because I needed to, to, to understand it. And because trying to get the information out of different sources, news sources, whether it's it's a good source like The Economist or, or newspapers, 
um, trying to understand how this all happened and where where it is right now, and and who's who's on what base and you know who's who's batting and who's pitching. I, I didn't, I couldn't get all of that, so I had to sit down and put all the pieces together. And as a result, hopefully, those who are reading it will understand where we are right now. We've got one, the infrastructure bill or the infrastructure act, infrastructure and jobs act has been passed. It's now part of part of the law and the build back better hasn't. It was due to, to go to a vote and um, the, uh, the Senator, you know, we can say what we want about him. He's a Democrat. Um, he's from the state of West Virginia. I think this this individual is actually thinking about a lot of things that people aren't giving him credit for thinking about, and it's not just his constituency. It's not just his future as a as a you know, am I going to get voted in or voted out, senator again? I think he's been around long enough to understand what the issues really are, and people you know the so-called progressives who are who are lambasting him and and you know Bernie, my my love. Uh, and, and Elizabeth Warren, you know, just really giving giving him the the, the bile that's been put that poured on him. Um, they haven't really gone back and understood what it is that the, the what where the problem is. It's you know this is a lot of money, and is it being put in in places where it needs to be put? And could this be have been done better? As people are saying, well, you know, we told you if you had separated these, if if we told you that if you separated these two and made one bill infrastructure and one bill the so-called Build Back Better, then you know we might get the infrastructure, but we're not going to get the other one. And we really want the other one, so we should have held out and made it made it one vote. Well, of course that wouldn't have passed. We wouldn't have even gotten through the House. Never mind the Senate. Um, so it's it's. Um, I didn't write the article. I didn't write this particular article to make any statements or, or give any judgments. It's mainly to say this is what's been happening. And what's happened now is the one vote they absolutely need because they had to have all Democratic senators voting, voting in favor of it, they don't have. So now the vote on the, the uh, Build Back Better, which includes all of the funding for uh, supporting electric cars. You know, in, in this, in the article, I've said, Elon Musk has, has dissed this entire thing. You know, he says, you know, don't pass this bill because we don't we shouldn't be investing public money in charging networks. We built our charging networks. We didn't use public money. Well, the fact is he did use public money because he was getting money from the government, you know, separately by the government supporting people buying his electric cars. He got quite a bit of money. And you know, that's a, that's a whole other issue. Um, but it's the likelihood of this thing passing in its present form is, is very, very small. Well, I know you love fishing, Michael. So I'm going to open yes. up a can of worms here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, in the, in the, in the last podcast we did, we, we spoke about Elon Musk being in hot water and Tesla being in hot water over this uh, idea of allowing drivers to play video games. And uh, right after you criticized him, he changed his mind. So you have, quite an impact here. And Michael, you mentioned this as well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm I don't right. think I don't. Sure. Honestly, I, I said this, I don't think he changed his mind. I think the adult somewhere in that companies and on the board, there is at least one adult who was who managed to convince at least people who were in their late adolescence, that they had to do this, they had to make this, this concession to the government, in order to get the government at least temporarily or off their backs, because this was, this was absolutely stupid. I mean, the timing of this, yeah. I mean, throwing it, this in, out. It's indefensible, I suppose. And yeah, in, totally. I mean, the fact that they, that they allowed this to happen, who, what are you thinking? What are you possibly, you're, you're being, you've got, you've got Lena Khan, who's just come in. She's, she, you know, she's going for your jugular, jugular. And you've got, you know, all of the other folks, Nitz, Nitza is now, finally has gotten some people in there who are focused on this this issue. Alan, they haven't done anything about Tesla. That's my big, that's my complaint. They have not done a single thing to keep Tesla from using people as beta 
you know, people buying their cars and using them as beta testers. That, that is just not something they should have been doing. They should have been stopped and they haven't. But now people are looking at them. What do they do? They do an over the air update to allow people to play videos on their, on their, on their cars. Yeah, they took it off because if they didn't, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, who is running that ship? Yeah, you, you really, you really, I, I personally was amazed that in some sense they were permitted originally to put a 17 inch screen in the car. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I, Michael, we, we sort of pioneered the turn by turn navigation stuff. And, and I could, I could, mm-hmm. you know, when, you did. When, yeah. well, uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, when we were putting that out there, you know, we wanted people to, to, to basically be able to at a glance in, in just a, a couple of cognitive cycles, get the fundamental information about what they should be doing next in driving instead of looking at a map or whatever but it required a map and we we were we were so you know focused on making sure that it'd be placed and it'd be where somebody would be you know almost in peripheral vision a quick glance and they got it okay got the information but of course that brought i would like to say that brought screens into cars Mm. and then people had a choice once you had a screen they could have co-pilot in there so they could get the information as a glance and not want to look at it any more than a glance or play videos we got crushed because if you allowed them to play videos on their cars they would play video. They wouldn't care about whether or not they got, they knew where in hell they were going. Yep. They wanted to watch the damn video. Boom. I mean, oh my goodness. We're. <sighs> yeah. And then comes a 17 inch screen. And, you know, I'm a computer graphics guy. Oh my goodness. It was the greatest screen. I mean, it was like wonder. I mean, I want to go down the road. Like this the whole time, just watching the sucker. But somehow we—it's it, it, okay. And then you can touch this and touch that, touch that, an autoplay and Apple Play and a what play and what to play and blah blah play, and then and you wonder why so many people die. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not wondering. We know why. Well, we, we know. Yeah. <laughs> we know why the curve has gone back up. We know yeah, why the curve has gone. We back know, up. and and then all of a sudden, you're not gonna, you're not gonna play video games. Oh man, I'm gonna be now down in my parents' basement while I'm driving down the 405 in LA playing <laughs> video games. I mean, are you joking? I mean, you are you joking? Now, please have the car be able to drive itself as much as you can. Okay. Can I ask a question? But it doesn't, but it doesn't, it doesn't. You got to pay attention. So you can't be looking at the 17 inch screen. Here's my question. What? The various committees, various governmental committees have had Zuckerberg, they've had Bezos, they've had Bill Gates, they've had they've had everybody, but they haven't had Elon. The musketeer hasn't hasn't had to sit there and someone say to him, What are you thinking? What's in your head? Why is that? Why is that the case? Well, well, I, I think I think they should invite him, but but I, I think that the, the man deserves his time uh, person of the year award i think uh, he he does he, he's done so much uh, i think fundamental good but boy i mean he he's a bimodal distribution he has a lot of good and there are some things that my goodness what, what's he doing and 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 it, they just 
they, they really don't make sense. Yes, if you assume that every driver of a Tesla is going to be a good citizen, a, 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 a good driver, a conscientious person, doesn't misbehave, then of course, all the things you put in there are fantastic. They will pay attention when full self-driving is on. When you, when you give, give them stupid summit, summon, they won't send their car out on, on the street and cross and whatever and play games with it. They'll just use it to get in and out of the garage. Absolutely. So if you believe that all your customers are all these goody two-shoes, then great. But unfortunately, no, maybe it's a very large percentage of your customers, you know, but there are some on on the end of the distribution that take this. And of course, watch the 17 inch screen and play video games while they're going down the 405. And that puts us in danger. Darn it. You haven't taken care of the tail of the distribution, Elon. You're that smart deal with the tail of the distribution yeah but 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 I don't, yeah, go ahead. I don't care if it's 99% it I don't really care if it's 99% I don't put brakes on 99% of my cars and not on one yeah you know, no, I don't I, leave the brakes off one one percent of my cars I if I'm a car you. manufacturer my responsibility is not necessarily to the driver as I said in this article the responsibility yeah. is to everybody else Absolutely. You know, if somebody, if, as I said, if somebody wants to take this car and kill themselves, knock yourself out, do it, but don't take anybody else along with you. I can't decide whether the person in that car is going to look at the video while he's driving and not look at the road and drive into me. I can't decide that, but someone who puts that in, in front of that person, who gives them that opportunity to do what they've been doing with, with so-called self-driving and full, you know, full whatever it is, full self-driving and autopilot, that's their responsibility. They should never have ever been allowed to do that. I, I, that's I, my opinion. I mean, yeah, I can, no. I've got an opinion and I'm, you know, it's, it's my well, newsletter. So I, I, can write I it. <laughs> no, of course you can. And whether or not they allowed or not allowed, Elon shouldn't have done it. He yeah, should, he should have, over he, the years he's too. the one who could disallow it. He could take it off. Okay. Yeah, because and, as and, we've and, seen, as we've seen in his company, he makes the decisions. It's 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 Elon or it's it's either Elon's way or the highway because you're not you don't there are an awful lot of people out there who used to work at at you know Muskerville, yeah. you know, at Tesla. <laughs> they 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 and they're doing good things. You know, we've got one here at Northfold, you know, who's developing the 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 the, the Northfold of the battery factory. They're they're all over the place. They've done great work. Yeah. And I think I mentioned many of them in the article that I wrote a few months ago in the in the dispatcher, just about how things have occurred and how things have evolved in inside using the the uh, that wonderful book that was written by the uh, new york new york times author um uh, I, yeah yes yes i was going to say that the phone makers have been grappling for years with and the the operating system makers have grappled for years with ways to keep people from being able to look at their phones while they're driving unsuccessfully because they can't distinguish who's the passenger and who's the driver. That's yep. you know, one of the things that they haven't been able to tackle, but they do have things like Android auto that, you know, limits the screen and what you can do and, and such, but at least they're making an effort here. It seems like Musk was going in the opposite direction until he was slapped, I suppose. Well, Fred, it's you're, good. You're, you're, you're giving them a lot of credit. They could do a lot more. <laughs> they know so much more about what's going on in the car. Okay, they don't have to ask me if I'm driving. Okay, they know if I'm driving. All right, mm -hmm. they they have yep. a camera there. They can see me. They can do <clears throat> that. They have not done enough. Okay, excuse me. Uh, all right, you know they need to do more. So if they really wanted to shut it down, they could because they have enough information going on there that they. They do know way out to the several 999s out there. So 
please. So should should there be a regulation then that they that that has to be implemented? That, that the phones. Uh, I'd have say to I'd say no, no. Reg, the, the regulations aren't there. They should do it as a as as a conscientious public entity. This is why you know I don't think it's the government that should tell Elon necessarily what to do. Elon needs to needs to get a clue. But the, Elon the government needs to do it. Now, okay. oh, wait a minute. Now, we don't we don't have we don't have type you know, we don't have type approval in the United States, but we have yeah. type approval in many places, including all yeah. over the, all over Europe. And the the fact is that in order to put your car on the road, that car has to be type approved. That's why the, most of the Chinese cars aren't on the road because they can't pass the type approval. And in the United States, it's we certify that the car meets these requirements. There have to be requirements for it to meet. Otherwise, you could put anything out there. Right, right. What, what I've said is that Elon Musk and Tesla has been putting anything out there without acknowledging the fact that there are requirements that they do have to meet. The idea of putting a video, that, I mean, that, that's, that isn't even, it's not allowed. But he did it without asking anybody, it's out there. And oh yeah, I'm a great guy because now I can take it back. I've got this wonderful OTA. OTA works in two directions. You know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. I'm taking it away now. I'm a great guy. No, you should never put it there in the first place. It's, I'm going to slap your hand anyway. Okay, so I, I, I want to slap his hand too. I mean, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. He, he is still a great guy, but you know, but he has flaws. Um, uh, and and we're gonna whack him on every one of the flaws that we can because 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 he has he has an enormous amount of power. No, that's okay? for sure. He, he has yeah. an enormous amount of power, and 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 I and and I guess I'd like to I would like to understand. He doesn't have to explain why he does the thing some of these things that he does okay i, 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 I said really, it I really, you know I, I saw i started the article out he's got an he's got an empathy screw loose in his head <laughs> there was a there was a quote yeah, i think yeah, from his i'm not online. that brutal okay uh, yeah no yeah no well <laughs> what was the, what too. was the quote I Fred? Yeah, well, no, I would I, have to look up exactly what it was but there was yeah, uh, yeah, there yeah, was a quote these, from his brother online that i saw yeah. this morning talking about him not being as empathetic. <laughs> his brother said that? Yeah, Did he read the dispatcher? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah Did he read so. the dispatcher? I mean, was he? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, you know. No, well, you know, we all have, yeah, I don't have much yeah, empathy. Have... I don't have much empathy yeah. either. I'm not, my my wife, man, she has uh, 102% empathy. I, I am. Uh, well, one other headline we want to touch on uh, today, uh, a post from Waymo online that reads, we're pleased to work with Geely as we integrate the Waymo driver into a version of their new mobility focused all electric Zeker vehicle. And then they go on to say designed in Sweden for riders first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw that and, and saw Brad Templeton's uh, uh, post on that, and I said, and I looked at it, and my eyes rolled, but I, but I think uh, Michael is bailing me out, and and so I'm I'm not as as displeased as as I was when I first read it, Michael. <laughs> I, I I think that um, Waymo has agreements with lots of people. They've they've tested lots of different makers of cars over the over the years and this this sounds like this is you know another opportunity there's a car out there let's test it and put you know put the waymo beanie on top and see what it, see how it looks and the same is true with with uh, geely the uh, chairman lee shifu has done a done a great job of following the or let's let's say he's he's learned the lesson of monopoly don't you know, spread your spread your investments around. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And he's he's got plenty of baskets out there. You know, from Volvo cars to Volvo Volvo trucks and and Daimler and you know just lots of folks, lots of different companies. So yeah, um, it's it's nice that they've got an agreement, but I don't think it's anything of earth earth shattering or any anything that's going to make keep the folks at GM and Ford up or Stellantis up late at night. I think uh, they all have cars that are at least, you know, on paper, something that, that does exactly what um, 
this car does. And this car is in fact on paper, you know, it's not yet something that's out there. So. Yeah. I think on top of that, I think, um, you know, maybe Waymo is looking to, to get an investment from somebody else. And that's why they put the darn thing out. Seems to me they, they have an announcement of, um, of, 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 of having a, uh, an order in or an opportunity to buy how many 80,000 is it um, um, Pacificas they haven't bought or is it 60,000 I forgot what the number was 60 or 80,000 mm. I don't think they've executed on that that agreement uh, <coughs> they had an agreement to buy um, um, 20,000 Jaguars or something like that um, uh, doesn't seem like they have all those many that many vehicles out there running around in Chandler, Arizona. Um, yeah. So um, and um, you know they're they're piddling around in in San Francisco and Los Angeles and and mapping New York City and parking some vehicles in New Jersey. Um, I haven't seen any of them show up in Trenton. Um, um, you know I. Um, um, but come on down. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to what extent Waymo's, uh, you know, um, um, dead in the water right now. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, of course, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to know anything that's not made that that hasn't been made public. They made this public. I, I wonder why. Uh, maybe they have. Uh, maybe the, this is a way to get Google into China or something like that. Because now they're going to be on a on a Chinese skateboard, and um, and they'll be able to um, to have Waymo bring uh, be in China and uh, and bring Google with it. I don't know. Maybe there's a bigger play on on that. Whatever. But uh, but I think Michael, you uh, you uh, sort of assuaged me this morning a little bit by saying, uh, you know, this is just one of many announcements, and who knows yeah. what. Uh, as I look at the design, and I'm not a car designer, it, it would the opportunity to have a vehicle without a driver, with only passengers, because this is the only way that thing is successful. Okay, if you're going to have all those gizmos on a car and you have to have a driver, you have to have an attendant, uh, you know, um, uh, it can't scale. It can't be a business. It can't it can't it can't become Google. It can't become Facebook. It can't explode. It can't it can't serve a network. Okay, It, it, it doesn't have the connectivity. So give it up. All right. So if you're going if you're really going to do that. If you're really going to solve the network problem of mobility, which might give you an opportunity to to scale, which is, of course, what Uber thought it was going to be, how it was going to be able to scale, which is what Lyft thought it was going to be able to scale if it did that, which ran into trouble and because it couldn't get to the point where it could remove the driver. Okay, removing the driver is key. Again, we, we would not have the high rises that we would have if we didn't remove the, the, the elevator operator out of the elevator. Okay, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. I, I don't see how you could afford it. There, there, there would have been another more affordable solution that would have come out, whatever, wouldn't have happened. And so if you, if you want this one to happen, then then design the vehicle realizing that that's the case and if a if a level floor which a level floor is really important if you're going to have multiple people in there coming maybe in and out and there's a lot of in and outs you know elevators have level floors all right then then the configuration inside the vehicle is somewhat different doors What's important in all transit vehicles forever, irrespective of whether they're, they're dealing with the hub or the hub and the, and, and the spoke, are doors. What they have for doors on this thing, then, I mean, you know, you, you got to think about your doors a little bit better, okay? And, and, and deal with that. And I, I, don't, I don't know, I, again, a lot of better car designers People deal with design of cars, but those are kind of the fundamentals. 
And then the seats, you know, whether they recline or whatever, what are the trip lengths in these things going to be? They're, 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 you know, to, to, to the network, the network connections are relatively, the, the interest is to get between many places and not too distant places. Look at how people use their cars. Oh yeah, we talk about the person who commutes, you know, an hour and a half each way and so on. That's the tale of the distribution. Most of the folks are down there in their cars. They, they, they run to the store and back. They run to, to church and synagogue and mosque and back. They go shoot hoops. They, they go to the gym. They, 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 they go to the doctor. They go, they, they, they go visit a friend. They, they go, you know, pick up a sandwich. Okay. That's what they use it for. These are, these are short distance things. And, and I don't know, maybe. With that, it, it sort of sounds like to me we've come full circle here. We've come and, full yeah. circle. And Michael, we really want to thank you uh, again for taking the time to join us. Always great. Love your insights. My pleasure. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more info is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 corporation. You can find us once again at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts from, and smart speakers can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Have a safe, happy, and healthy year ahead. Happy New Year to everybody. A little bit early, but Happy New Year. Let's look for 2022. Actually, 2021 wasn't all that bad. It had been worse.